who has inspired our new gen um, members. They wrote that all by themselves and they practiced and all those things. So um, let's bow our heads. Actually, I want to take this song. You are here, healing every heart. I worship you. I worship you. Um, let's just begin to open our hearts. You are here, turning lives around. I worship you, I worship you, you are here, mending my broken heart, I worship you, I worship you. my God, that is who you are. Father, Lord, we thank you. We come before your presence. We come before your presence thanking you for the gift of salvation. We are coming before you thanking you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you because you sent your son so that he will come and fulfill the law and die so that we may live and then be raised up so that we may reign as kings and priests forever unto you, O God. Father, Lord, we pray that as we go into your word today, briefly, that you would open up our hearts, that you will meet us where we are, Lord. It says in your word that you send your word and, it, and you heal us from all our diseases. Father, Lord, I pray that whatever in any way that we need healing, O oh God, that you will send your word and it will heal any single hole and it will mend any single brokenness in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Amen. So I'll be reading, or can we, um, actually I'll read <laughs> from Matthew 2, 10, if it can, from Matthew 2, from verse 1. I will just open it up. I'm reading the um, Amplified Classic Version, but we can follow with any version of your preference. So Matthew 2 from verse 1. Are we there? Was that yes or no? Okay. Okay, it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men, astrologers, from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and its rising and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was disturbed and troubled and the whole of Jerusalem with him. So he called together all the chief priests and learn of learned men, scribes of the people, and anxiously asked them where the Christ was to be born. They replied to him, in Bethlehem 
of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, you are not in any way least or insignificant among the chief cities of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will govern and shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7. Then Herod sent for the wise men, astrologers secretly, and accurately to the last point, ascertained from them the time of the appearing of the star. Verse 8. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search for the child carefully and diligently. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Verse 9. When they had listened to the king, they went their way. And behold, the star which had been seen in the east in its rising went before them until it came and stood over the place where the young child was. Verse 10. When they saw the star, they were filled with ecstatic joy. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading and hearing of his word. Amen. So um, today we have heard a lot about joy. Um, the children... They led, they led us in prayers uh, um, with a lot of scriptures about joy. And today we'll be talking about the joy of the new dawn as we have been speaking about for a few weeks and in a, on a few different occasions. And um, we will be talking specifically about the cost of joy. The cost of joy. Um, so to begin, um, what... This, what we just read now would just detail the scripture, would detail the story of the wise men seeing a star. And when they saw the star, um, they were so excited. They were, in, they were so intentional about finding out where, what the next step was in terms of finding where the child would be. So the wise men, they saw the star and they didn't really, it wasn't, the star in itself, but it was what the star represented. And the star represented the fact that Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords is now born, or Christ, the Messiah, the person who would come and save Israel. And on the same, in the same vein, but opposite, on the opposite side, when Herod also heard about the star, he was also very intentional about finding out where this child was. So, he, the same way that um, the wise men were not careless about what they saw, um, the enemy also was not careless about what was spoken and the sign that was shown. So, but for the opposite purpose, and that purpose, Herod's purpose, was to work against the plan of God. Because as we know the story, Herod um, was threatened because he thought, who else can be a king besides me? Um, so... Yes, as, as I mentioned, the, the wise men, in verse 10, if I will just read it again, it says, when they saw, actually, I'll read verse 9 and 10. When they had listened to the king, they went their way, and behold, the star which had been seen in the east in its rising went before them until it came and stood over the place where the young child was. Verse 10. When they saw the star, they were thrilled with ecstatic joy. So 
it was the seeing, the moment they saw the star, the moment the star began to lead them, which, what, which is what happened in verse 9, the star was leading them to the place where Jesus was. The moment when they saw this star, they were filled with so much joy. And the first thing I ask is, why are they so excited just about the star? But like I said, it was what, it's not about the star itself, but it was about what the star pointed to. It confirmed the event that was happening. It confirmed God being made in the flesh and or dwelling amongst us. Um, so they started rejoicing um, when they saw the star, and which meant that they rejoiced before they actually saw Jesus himself. So they started rejoicing when they saw the sign or... Yeah, when they saw the sign before they actually saw the physical manifestation of it. And in the same way um, with us, when we see the word, when we hear the word, when the word comes to us, maybe the word comes to us and says the siege is over. Or maybe the word comes to us and says that there's a, there's a new dawn. Or what, what other words have come to us? Many words. Or the year of the Holy Spirit in me. Um, it is for us to rejoice before we see the physical manifestation of what it is. Um, and for us to be able to do that, um, it takes faith. So remember I said that we'll be talking about the cost of joy, and the cost of joy is our faith. We need to give faith in order to get the joy. Um, let me just see where I am. Um, yes, so like I said, they didn't need to actually see Jesus before they rejoiced. The sign was enough. Just like we should not actually have to see the manifestation of the word, but the word itself should be enough. And if I go back to verse 10, it says they were thrilled with ecstatic joy. And for me, it must mean, it wasn't only the sight of the sign, it must have been their understanding of it. So it's the same thing. God doesn't just want us to rejoice when we hear, hear the word or whatever, because then um, if we, we probably have heard the parable um, of Jesus when he talks about, when he speaks the word, there are many soils it can fall on. And one of them is that there's a soil with no, is it soil or ground, I guess? Different grounds it can fall on. And one of them, um, the, it, the seed will fall onto that ground and it will sprout up really quickly, but then it will die again because there is no foundation and there is nothing to hold the word upon. So in the same vein, God doesn't want us to just rejoice in the word or they didn't just, or from my understanding, they didn't just rejoice in the star because of the star. It was so bright, like, yes, there's a star and this means this, but there must have been a deep understanding of the faithfulness of God. There must have been a deep understanding of if God has said it, then he will do it. If God has shown this, then um, it will come to pass. Um, so yeah, so they rejoiced. So we said that they rejoiced before they saw the manifestation and they rejoiced with understanding. Otherwise their joy would be in vain. Um, so I will want us to read Isaiah 58 from verse one. Isaiah 58, verse 1. Um, so we have said that um, God wants us to rejoice, or it, it would do well for us to rejoice in faith, knowing that the sign that we have seen or the word which has been spoken it will manifest. Um, 
so, oh, sorry, it's not Isaiah 58. It's Isaiah 54. Yes. From verse 1. I will read verse 1 and verse 2. Sorry, Isaiah 54, my, my error. It says, Sing, O barren, you, have not, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Verse 2, enlarge, your place of, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Strengthen your stakes. Let's, let's end it there. Thank you. Um, so going back to verse 1, the word of the Lord came um, to Israel and said, Sing, O barren. And we know singing is a sign of joy. Singing is a sign of excitement. But isn't barrenness a sign of fruitlessness? fruitlessness? So God is saying, sing, even though you are sing right now in your barrenness. But why are you singing? You are singing because of what it says in one B, it says, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, which means that your right now is not your future. And the connection is your joy. And how else will you believe this scripture without your faith, if that makes sense? You need, to, if your God is telling you to sing, oh barren, because this will happen when you're on two separate sides of the spectrum, what will join you together is what will join the two sides together is faith, basically. Um, so faith is the missing link in our rejoicing. Um, amen. So going back to our main scripture in Matthew 2, um, Matthew 2.10, when they saw the star, um, they were thrilled with ecstatic joy or there was great rejoicing or exceeding um, joy. Um, and the specific event, like we said, um, that they were rejoicing in was the birth of Jesus. And um, I want us just to go into what birth is or what it means when something is birthed. Um, I wrote here that birth basically points to newness. Um, so it points to the fact that the old no longer character characterizes your present. It shows that the future um, no longer has to look like your past. When something is birthed, it's also a celebration of a successful, you know, Passover from one side to another side. So before, you know, with a woman, um, she was pregnant. Um, and then when she gives birth, she has successfully transitioned or crossed over um, from being a pregnant woman to being with a woman with a child. Or if you're birthing a business, um, it... Or, birthing a business, there's the transition from the idea to the actual manifestation of the business. So, um, yeah, birthing, a birth is a celebration of a successful transition. Um, yeah, so birth, like I said, basically points to newness. Something now exists that previously did not exist. So whenever something is birthed, there is like an expectation of excitement because when something new comes, like we're excited. We don't know what it's going to be or there's an, expectation, there's, ex, there's an expectation of excitement and joy. However, there can also be a response of unbelief and fear. 
but we will go into that. So, um, yeah, what I wrote here was that there's an expe expectation to rejoice because of all the things I said. Um, the old doesn't have to characterize your presence. The future no longer has to look like your past. Um, yeah, so, however, um, sometimes when something new appears, um, when something new is presented or proposed to us, um, there, is, there can be a response of unbelief and fear. Um, and an example of this is Herod. When something new happened, when the star, or when the wise men came to Jerusalem and said, oh, we've seen the star, where is the child? Um, and Herod, he, it says that he was troubled um, and he was fearful because he felt threatened. Um, but I want us to know that when God brings something new, what he wants us to do is respond in joy so that we can see that thing come to pass. Um, yes. And if we now respond in unbelief or fear, it robs us um, from the opportunity to engage in what God wants. Um, in Romans 14, 17, um, it says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So when, some, when there is joy, it means that it is God's tool in establishing his kingdom because the kingdom of God is basically God's way of rescuing the world. So which means that joy is something so powerful, it's something so important, something so essential that God uses joy to characterize his kingdom um, along with peace and righteousness. So now we have basically said that sometimes we can respond in unbelief to the thing that is new that is presented. So I want us to go into um, faith, basically, which is the opposite of unbelief. So if we can open our Bibles to Isaiah 31. Isaiah 31, I'll read from verses 1 to 3. And it says, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because there are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong, but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. Let me, I just, let's just read verse 1. So let me read that again. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses and trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong, but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. We will come back to this scripture. Um, I want us to know that, like we said before, the joy um, that God wants us to have, the joy of a new dawn, the missing link between our rejoicing and our present is our and our present circumstance is our faith. So it is so, and having faith in one thing um, means not having faith in another thing. So let's say um, I'm having faith in the system of this world or the government and what they can do for me, the security that they can give to me or the certainty that they can give to me before the pandemic happened, of course. Let's say I'm having faith in that. 
it means on the other side that I'm actually not putting, if I'm putting my faith in that system and that government, it means that I'm not putting my faith in God. Or let me say, it's not, it's me not putting my full faith in God because there must be something missing if I'm finding something to put, some faith to put in the government or in the system, if that makes sense. This doesn't mean that we don't listen to the news and we don't believe um, what they tell us, but it means our faith is our trust. Um, Hebrews 11 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And substance is understanding. So faith is our understanding of things that we hope for can be brought um, into existence through God, not through man, not through our intellect, not through anything else like that. So faith is where we put our our assurance and our trust into. So the only place that is the only place or person who's worthy of our trust is God, because He's the God that hasn't failed or hasn't changed, and His faithfulness is something that cannot is not dependent on anything. The Word says that even when we are faithless. God is faithful because God cannot deny himself. Um, that's in 2 Timothy 2. I'm not sure the verse there. So, yeah, so we've said that putting our faith in one thing means not putting our faith in another thing. And it is so important, like um, we said, to see faith as the essential ingredient to our joy. The cost of our joy is paying it in faith so that we can believe we are going to see the things before they actually happen. So... Um, what is kind of robbing us from our joy is our lack of faith. Um, we are looking around and we are wondering, God, where, I'm not feeling joy. I'm not, I'm not happy. I'm not this. I'm, I, I feel down and all of these things. But I, I think a lot of us, we have lost our faith. We don't believe like we used to believe. Um, there's a thing called childlike faith which mirrors, you know, children when their father says something. Well, I guess it depends <laughs> on the father. They will believe them. They will be like, oh, look, if my dad has said this, then it must be so. And that's the same way God wants to relate to us. We, he wants us to totally depend on him and totally depend on his word. Um, so looking at time, let me go back to Isaiah 31. Now I will read from verses 1 to 3. It says... Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they are, they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong, who do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. Verse 2. Yet he also is wise and will bring disaster. I will not call back his words, but will arise against the house of the evildoers and against the help of those who work iniquity. Verse 3 is where I'm going. Now the Egyptians are men and not God, and their horses are flesh and not spirit. When the Lord stretches out his hand, both he who helps will fall, and, who, and he who is helped will fall down. They will, all will perish together. So focusing on verse 3. It says that the Egyptians aren't men, and in this time the Egyptians was the, the greatest 
most powerful people. They had all the horses. They had all the chariots. They had all the power. They had everything. But God is reminding us and his people. God was reminding his people then and he's reminding us now that all the things that we see that are so big and so great and we're wondering, ah, if this can fall, then I've got no hope. God is reminding us that those things are men. They are not God. There is only one God, and that's Jesus. And he's reminding us that the horses are our flesh and not spirit, which means that what God does, which is spiritual, is, is lasting. It's not things that can fade away. It's not things that are fleeting. And then it says that when the Lord stretches out his hand, both he who helps will fall. So in this case, it was a, the Egypt. Egypt was helping all of these other countries um, to, you know, like fight battles and stuff like that. Um, but it's saying that Egypt will fall and those who are helped by Egypt will fall because there's a saying that who can stop God? God is the greatest power. Um, it's the, the mighty man and the like lowly man will, are all under God's authority and all under God's reign. So it's important that we look to God and not look to man. Um, so yeah, I just want us to remember that the system of this world, the government and all these things, um, we shouldn't put our faith in them, but remember where our faith should lie because that is um, the price or the cost of our joy. Um, so yes, what I've written here is... Um, Sometimes with all the chaos and the things that are going on around us, it's hard to trust God. Um, so we can be so independent and so um, independent meaning we just don't depend on God anymore. Um, we don't rely on him. And then we question our like, God, like, where are you? When all we need to do is depend on him and have faith in him. Um, sometimes we give so much thought and investment and time into the things um, or into a system that cannot save us and help us instead of a God who is our help, who is our Ebenezer. Um, so we have put our, place, our faith in a wrong place, um, but God wants us to put our faith back in him. And one thing that one of my um, friends say is that we need to bombard our mind with the word of God because it's the word of God that brings faith. Um, it's the word of God that... Um, brings faith. As we keep on thinking about the word, remembering the word, um, saying the word, reading the word, we are begin to be persuaded. We begin to persuade ourselves. It sounds weird because like, why am I persuading myself of something that is true? But because we've been believing something that has been a lie, because let God be true and every other person be a liar, we need to be persuaded of the truth again. So once we continue to bombard our mind with scriptures, we will see our faith rising and we will see the fact that um, we'll come to a point where we don't actually have to be persuaded anymore and it will, it will just be our natural response to respond in faith rather than responding in unbelief. Um, and as soon as we have that faith and respond in it and hold on to it, we can. We will find ourselves being joyful again. We will find ourselves thinking, okay, God, you have said you have made all things new. Um, and when God does something, we know that what he does stands forever. Nothing can be added. Nothing can be taken away. So if he says, I've made this new, all things are new, that means God, God doesn't expect it to be old again. He expects the new to last, you know? Um, so saying that, basically, we need... 
but we won't realize that if we're not meditating on the word of God, if our faith is in the wrong place. Um, so yeah, that is basically what I wanted to say, that our faith is so key. Um, and we need to make sure we're standing on the word of God um, because that is the only thing that stands. So just to end, just to recap, we, I'll read Matthew 2, 10. And this is in the New King James Version. It says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And um, we've learned today that we need faith um, in order to bring about our joy. Um, the missing link between our rejoicing and where we are now is our faith. For it to become real, for us to have an understanding of it. Um, and to close, I will read Isaiah 31. I know we have a lot of Isaiah scriptures. I like him as a prophet. Um, Isaiah 30, did I say 31? Isaiah 30, verse 15, and it says, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved, in quietness and confidence shall be your strength, but you would not. Um, let's bow our heads and pray. Father Lord, um, we thank you for your word. We thank you because you are reminding us that your joy is here for us, but we need to stretch out our hands in faith. Um, you said to Martha, "If did I not say if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And once you did believe, didn't you raise up her brother Lazarus, O oh God. So Father Lord, we're praying that our faith, O oh God, will be stirred even as we um, have heard this word, O oh God, that we will go back to your word, we'll go back to the place of prayer, asking you to help our unbelief, O oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus, so that we will have the same testimony that when we just see it, when we just see a sign, when we just see your word, when we just hear your word, we're filled with so much joy as if we have seen the manifestation of it, because we know that what you say, you will do, oh God. Um, we thank you. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Thank you.